Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Welcome everybody. Steve Waters and Victor Kumar back again for another fortnight. I was going to say Facebook Live, but it's not. It's another Investing Insights podcast. It's still daylight here. It is, I know. And just very quickly, for those that uh, perhaps haven't watched our Facebook Live, we do that every fortnight Thursday at uh, 7pm, except this week, which we'll get to a bit later. But this is Investing Insights. We're back again. There has been, as there always is, so much water under the bridge from the last time Mm -hmm. that we did this. We've had a rate cut or a cash rate cut. Massive changes. Yeah. We've had a president-elect in the United States, which Mm -hmm. the other one's yet to concede, but we'll get there. Uh, We've had consumer sentiment shift dramatically across all different states. We've had auction results that have started to show green shoots and if not amplify. Mm -hmm. Uh, And importantly, what we've had is a massive shift in the way that the media is starting to report what's happening in the economy. That's right. Isn't that amazing how quickly media sentiment shifts uh, because it's now newsworthy and uh, when you combine that with the reduction in the interest rate, the um, uh, uh, opening of um, mobility in Victoria uh, and it all becomes newsworthy and um, from doom and gloom, all of a sudden they start talking things up. It's, it's amazing I, and I, it never ceases to amaze me that sometimes the most obvious scenarios or future is just not talked about until it's, it's after the fact until it, yeah until it's yeah. a matter of fact and it's happened mm. like you won't have to go back and listen to our podcast watch our facebook lives from one month two months three months all the way back to april actually we go back to when we did that uh, um uh, quick update in the car in perth. perth yeah, yeah? and um uh, that was just as the lockdowns were happening and, and as, as a as a side story uh, we were um, checking into a hotel when we went in there, and and Steve, as he as he all now, <laughs> has got some space issues, uh, living on acreage, uh, and um, we had this huge line of people uh, waiting to check in that had been uh, disembarked from a um, cruise, cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, both Steve and I had kittens in terms of yeah, hang on, uh, are we in the right hotel? But we we've been out okay. But back at back then, we had called it in terms of how the market would pan in terms of reaction for the market. Initially, it would be doom and gloom and, and let, let's hoard toilet paper uh, to, 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 the point where, <laughs> to the point where now it's, it's come to the, to the point where people are starting to say, let's hoard property. And this is the, the, the crossroads where people can get financially hurt. Always is, historically speaking too. And, and those calls we made back, in Perth when it was all eventuating. To be fair, the trigger points were quite unique in their own circumstances. Mm. We'd never been through a global pandemic virus health driven in our life. Yeah. So everybody was, well, where's that Where's that in the rule book? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't there. However, the ramifications were quite the same as every other crisis that we've been through, albeit the different trigger points, which we've spoke about before. The way that it's played out is almost textbook it, it is it is it's like everyone's reading from a script isn't it you, it, you it can is. know that you know most of the commentators out there that um were well we take harry dent right 
Definitely you said, came. You said his name. I did say his name. Yes. Um, my number is one eight hundred. Don't call me. Expect a call. Expect a call. I'm going to give it thirty six hours. <laughs> yeah. So if, you know, people like him came out and said doom and gloom. It's going to, you know, crash by forty, fifty, sixty, even a hundred percent. Right. To then a complete flip over to say, well, actually, we did say it was not going to crash and it's going to take off and everything's good and rosy because people are reassessing where they are in life and all that. In in amongst all of this, there are always winners and losers. The winners are the ones that are prepared and they don't panic. The losers are the ones that they panic or are, are unprepared going into any change that happens in the economy. It's a good point because those that are, and we're being quite general here because there are some general realistic losers yes. through no fault of their own because of what's Correct. happened. Yeah? yeah, Particularly the hospitality, airline hospitality, industry. Hospitality, tourism and all the follow-on. Having said that, there's also an element of people that have taken a hit because they were reactionary in the negative sense. Mm-hmm. Those that were prepared always via cash flow management, whether that be buffers and the like, who could withstand temporary anomalies within the market and their mm. own circumstances, were able to hold fast and even potentially capitalise on opportunities that presented themselves because of their position and because they've got a long-term view. Now, we're only repeating what we've talked about and, to be fair, what every good advisor has talked about because we are looking at this from a a long-term point of view, but we need to be able to react to certain opportunities within the market. Mm. And those opportunities, whilst they've been, I won't say skinny, they've been quite obvious, once again, because we've, been through this before in terms of a crisis and yeah, the biggest one was the GFC which, which we keep talking about the results have been quite the same a little bit of a difference here and there once again the trigger points mm. but the way that it's played out i.e. rising rents lower construction lower supply commercially from a residential point of view the prices start to increase that's all textbook stuff yep yep and and if if people were um for those that are Sydney siders that have uh, attended our Parramatta uh, live sessions and also uh, the Melbourne siders that are attended our St Kilda live sessions back when we were, we used to do them. Before the steel curtain. Before, <laughs> before the steel curtain. Um, uh, you would recall that we kept talking about this compression factor that happened, right? This is through any economical upheaval where uh, you com- generally compress down towards the affordable bracket where it is still easy commutable distance back to the city and an easy um, sphere of influence in terms of employment. And that's happened through and through across Australia where we are looking at it from a viewpoint of, okay, there's a compression. And you look at um, properties that we're buying uh, across the eastern seaboard where the rents are just absolutely skyrocketing uh, in terms of uh, people clamoring over themselves uh, for the right property to actually rent it. And just as importantly, because the rents are increasing, people are willing to pay more pro- more for those pri- uh, properties, uh, uh, compounded with the fact that the interest rates are really low as well. And there it is, because people ten- tend to forget that there is a commercial aspect to residential yes. real estate. And whilst that's quite a general comment, if we get granular in certain, if not most areas, the more that the rent increases, it will drag up the the value of the property as well, i.e. the commercial aspect to residential real estate. We're seeing examples now, which we've said in our lives and and other bits and pieces, where, well, here's an example from this morning, where a client who 
was expecting $415 per week on a property, had 19 applications, prepaid in advance by three three months and got it at $450 per week. Now, that's not in the media anywhere. And nor will it be until after the fact. Mm. And so it's a it's a case of believe the truth or believe the data. And sometimes they're wildly apart. Yep. And, and there is also a lag between the truth and the data as well, because the truth is what can be amplified in inverted commas. Truth can be amplified out there uh, if it's in the wrong hands uh, and with the wrong agenda. Interpretation. Interpretation is is very very important in today's day day and age, right? But the data is always lagging. And this is something that we need to understand that most of the reporting from the media and most of the reporting from the data houses is usually three to six weeks out of step of what's unfolding on the ground. And believe you, uh, believe you me, the, the, the way things are unfolding on the ground is pretty much on a three to four day basis, it changes. Very much so. And to the point where the fluctuations within the market, whether that be stock levels, prices achieved, mm-hmm as you say, are yet to be documented via data for at least three months. Yeah. And people will make those decisions based on three months old news. Now, that's all right when you have a market that is stable mm. because and there's not a lot of movement because you can start to use data as a directional piece, as we've often talked about. But when you have a market that's quite dynamic, if you haven't got your finger on the pulse of that market on a daily basis then you could either be caught or you could be missing. Absolutely. And that's crucial if you're trying to either A, get a better rent, target uh, particular tenant values, especially at this time of the year. And we'll maybe we'll do a podcast around Christmas or prepare for Christmas next podcast. Mm -hmm. We won't get into that. Um, But also in terms of values and trying trying to identify, interpret and act on human trends. Yeah not data trends. And a really good example of that would be we were in Perth and there's podcasts are plenty about when we were in Perth, say three years ago, mm. and how we were using data as a directional piece, but we were really looking for that ground truth component and the story of the barber asleep in yep. his chair in the shopping centre and what have you. Um, on one side of town and on the other side of town, it was buoyant as ever. Full. Mm. Couldn't even get a car park in you know, one of Australia's biggest Westfields. You fast, so we were there for three years and it was, took us nearly two years before we started purchasing mm-hmm. in Perth because all of the factors hadn't come together yet but our intel, our reconnaissance, if you will, of trying to I'd put the data together, mm. knowing when to execute the opportunities, and then we did. Yes. It wasn't a matter of, well, the data says this or the data says that. There's, the truth doesn't mm-hmm. lie. No, it does not lie. Yeah, and and this is this is where it's really important to understand that you can have all of the data in the world, unless you can put an interpretation to the data in terms of what does it really mean for that particular area, um, does it become pertinent? And then you need to drill down further to make sure that uh, you are looking at it from a viewpoint of how does that you know influence your portfolio, your financial circumstances, and your goals. How does it, how does it suit you? Because mm. at the end of the day, the data might be ticking all the boxes, but it doesn't mean that you have to buy anything yeah. to you. Mm. And a really good example of that might be, well, you know, 
X suburb, which is worth a million dollars, is predicted, and I say predicted in inverted commas, to grow by 7% next year. If you can't afford a million dollars, what the hell are you doing looking at it? Yeah, exactly right. Like you're going to miss a boat before you save or get yourself in a position to do it. There are other mm. areas that are going to produce just as well. Yeah. Identify them. Yeah. Execute that opportunity. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up uh, because there's a recent headline in media saying, uh, and there's a report floating around, uh, suburb that has gone up by uh, 1,200% um, uh, and, uh, you know, click on this cl- click on this ring to get the report. Of course, it got me. Yeah. And, and I clicked on the report. I was going to say, can you flick that to me? <laughs> <laughs> Guess where the suburb was? Uh, I'll play. I mean, I'm going to say... I'll give you a leader. It's yeah. Way up the central coast. Uh, way up the central coast. I'm going to say... I don't know. Newcastle. A uh, bit for that, Byron Bay? That's not central coast. Uh, North Coast. You, that was ah, a, North that, Coast. You, you yeah. led me in the wrong direction. Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't want you to look good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the, the this is how misleading headlines can be, right? So they were comparing prices in two thousand to th- two thousand and twenty, mm. right? So already we've got an abnormal spike because of lifestyle re- relocation because of COVID, and then you've got twenty years of change in sentiment, change in data, change in employment modes and all that to gear that up to 1,200% increase. I'd also change, change in influence. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, we, we mentioned, I think, Chris Hemsworth uh, last time in our Facebook Live. Yeah, as to his and a few leader. others. Yeah, yeah, few yeah. Others yeah. Uh, so um, this is where people go wrong because then, then someone's saying, hang on, it's done 1,200%, right? That's a good figure I'll jump on. But it could well be that now it's at its plateau. Yeah, have you missed the boat? Yeah. It reminds me of another story way back last cycle, last major cycle, where there's a there's a, a, a council region that was in the newspapers as showing the most growth in the last, I think it was two years. Mm-hmm. But as that cycle rolled out, it also had, years later, the highest mortgagee in possession yeah. uh, statistics as well. And what was quite, if, if you understood the data, the reasoning behind that was because there was a hell of a lot of new developments at a higher price, which were settled in a very buoyant market, therefore dragging averages up. And they were probably never worth that. Mm. Well, they weren't. Mm. And then as that cycle rolled out, and this was the GFC, the mortgage and possessions happened and therefore the statistics showed that it also had the highest mortgage and possessions yes. rate. So once again, if you were to go off that data alone and just truly believe that and make million-dollar decisions essentially mm. based on data which was old news or irrelevant news or didn't even fit your financial circumstances, you too could have either profited immensely or you could have been a statistic. Absolutely, yeah. The thing that we need to understand, it's very easy to get into a property transaction, substantially harder to get out because there's a big cost of getting in and out. Zero liquidity. Yep. Essentially, yep. even though we say be liquid, be liquid all the time. We're actually talking about the equity within that, whether it be redraws, lines of credits, offset facilities and the like, but mm. you're not going to sell it and crystallise the win or the loss yeah. overnight, which then goes back to the whole data point being three months, four months mm. in arrears because yeah. if you I need to understand the process of selling it, isn't and, it? And yeah. the process is if we decide to sell a property today, the time we have a contract of sale drawn up via our solicitor, the time then we choose an agent, interview the agents, execute the agent, 
get that's said execute the agent employ the agent <laughs> and then some do yeah, yeah. <laughs> some might want to um then have a marketing campaign around it find the buyer have a signed contract for sale settle that's a three-month process mm-hmm. best case yep in its own let alone for that data then to register in lands title and all the other mm. data warehouses to actually be in front of you now three months in today's economy or in any economy in terms of property but more so today, three months is Very a long hell of a long time. Yep. And you, we can't be making our decisions based on, I'm going to say, three-month-old data that just looks good without knowing what's behind it and where the anomalies mm. are yep. in those yep. markets. And, and then you've got to put the, uh, the Rona aspect on it as well. Um, <laughs> the Rona <laughs> aspect. <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, if you take, take as an example Perth, right? A lot of people are doing their sums based on the current rental return yeah. yeah and it's a big big um disclaimer here don't do that because what we're seeing on the ground there is the fact that because the borders are closed a lot of the fly-in fly-outs can't get out and they're choosing to or are being forced to rent in there so there's a there's an artificial spike in the rental returns um yes the you uh, the um uh, vacancy factor has dropped, which was dropping as we went into into um, um, lockdown. Uh, and that was the reason why we were there because we're doing on-the-ground uh, research there as well and, and, and sealing up quite a few of the um, properties that we're working on. But if you're doing your sums based on today's interest rates, based on today's Perth uh, rental yields, uh, you're sort of asking for trouble. So you need to be looking at it from a viewpoint that, yes, interest rates are this, the rents are this and likely to be this for, say, the next year. But more so, we need to look at what the normal rents are for that year so that you're not speculating. You're looking at fundamentals in the area. And that's a really good point. And we've been quite vocal about, whilst we think the the vacancy rates in Perth have contracted somewhat even before COVID, mm. and yeah, maybe they were sitting at circa 2%, and now they're at less than 1.9, 0.85%. As you say, a lot of that has been because that has been absorbed by the fly-in, fly-out miners from the East Coast who are now over there. Yep. And just a little bit of context around that is if they come back East Coast, well, they can't get back into WA, therefore they've lost their job. And we're talking about tens and tens and thousands of people that are now residing in Perth because they have to. Mm. And that has absorbed a lot. Does that mean that we're gonna, it's an artificial contraction of the vacancy rate? In some areas. In some areas, Mm. yes. And that's a really good point. And I would say that in some areas where it's more traditionally investor-driven. Yes. uh, As an example. And I won't name the suburbs. If you want to know what they are, you can contact us um, later. But some of those areas which are investor-driven, well, they've seen a contraction and I don't think they probably will have longevity Mm -hmm. unless the, the resources sector continues to fire and everything stays as it is in that trajectory. However, we don't want to roll that dice that's not the types of investors that we are nor is it the strategies that we design is around black or white heads or tails it's mm. more about longevity and sleep at night which is very very important so we need to have stability in terms of not just the growth but just as importantly the cash flow without the peaks and troughs mm. yeah if so, so if you're looking at an area so it, staying on the birth vein we are also looking at pipeline analysis in, in the sense that what's coming in the market over the next one, two years, because that's going to impact your investment. Uh, and it's really important to understand 
not the data on the uh, on on the ground right now which is potentially 3 months old but the truth on the ground right now but also looking into the future to say what else is coming in employment uh, supply um you know are there are there a, is there a shift in terms of uh, investor sentiment in that area or owner occupier sentiment in that area because they will all impact uh, three key things in your portfolio one is the liquidity being able to sell down if you had to because if you ran into trouble or if you found your dream home and you needed to liquidate everything to get to that um, nothing wrong with that um, you're also looking at it from from a cash flow point of view and then naturally you at some point in time you want to extract the money you spent on that property out back to the account that you originally took it out from uh, so that all of the money on that particular investment is sitting against that property so uh, it, it it's it's important to look at all of this data and and uh, what's happening in terms of the pipeline to then make that investment decision and see how it fits into your portfolio and your overall plan to make sure that you're not just being transactional in nature you're actually investing It's a really good point and you said something there which may have consu- uh, confused some of the listeners being don't worry about or don't so much concentrate on the the ground truth or the data uh, or what's happening on the ground today but look forward now what vic was meaning there it will is exactly that but it it's it's actually forward facing so whilst we want the data we want the ground truth now we also need to take into account the pipeline yes. and the pipeline realistically is around jobs economic growth and housing supply mm-hmm. and a really good example of that is is it, we don't want to go into an area which might be skinny today in terms of accommodation so supply is short but we know that there's 10,000 new dwellings coming in coming in the pipeline which is going to completely alter the scales of supply and demand in the medium term we don't want to be a part of of that the, to the best of our ability we also want construction because that means infrastructure and the like but we need to be forward facing as well as the ground truth right now the other thing which i want to tackle a little bit now vic and, and just talk about what's happening now and where potentially we think our opinion on where the future is and i want to start it by saying maybe we should all draw confidence in what has happened in as short a pa- amount of time as the last 20 days mm-hmm. so in the last 20 days we've had a massive pendulum swing in terms of consumer confidence and all the intricacies that uh go towards that index if you will we've had the we mentioned it earlier on we've had the cash rate reduction which i don't think is physic physically is not going to mean a hell of a lot unless you've got an enormous amount Just of debt. Just a sentimental shift isn't it? It's a it's an absolute psychological shift uh for the greater community or the, the greater economy if you will um and realistically the reserve bank is fresh out of levers yep uh, so it's doing whatever it whatever it can but nonetheless it is an it is a seismic piece of the puzzle if you will we've had an election um with the new president elect as mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier on and whether we like it or not that is going to have a trickle down effect absolutely it will into the australian economy therefore our hip pockets therefore in our space property prices um I don't that the jury's out into which way is it going to be enormously beneficial or is it going to be same same. Mm. I think the jury's out on that and we can do that on another podcast as we dive deeper and maybe we'll do that on our Facebook live yep, so we'll ch- so tune into that. 
Um, another big bit of news which we didn't mention earlier on and at the time of this recording of this podcast a couple of days ago was that uh, Pfizer, I think it was, are 90% there mm. in terms of a vaccine. Now, go back six months ago or whatever it was, three months ago, five months ago, where we said, watch what happens when someone comes out with a solution. A, a solution. When they have that vaccine and they're confident in that vaccine, watch all markets react accordingly. And even when they said they said that, I think it was a day ago or two days ago, the US market or the world markets reacted accordingly with stocks, the stock market mm -hmm. reacting in the positive immediately. Some airline stocks, which was you know, kind of, you knew that was going to happen, would jump by 20%. Yep. Everybody is hanging on to this golden bullet, if you mm -hmm. will. Now let's say, let's bring that into, into, property, into property terms and how that will affect us if it is the truth. Um, and we're not going to get down into that rabbit hole whether we, you know, we believe it or not. However, if we see a vaccine that is gazetted, if you will, by the world mm -hmm. and it works and the international borders open and we'll call it, I'm going to call it free trade or free economy, if you yep. will, where everybody starts interacting on a worldwide basis and people start to get mobile and therefore the economy wheels within each and individual economy throughout the world start to percolate. And we already have a skinny environment in terms of accommodation today. Where does that leave us in for the mm -hmm. next 12 months, yeah. for the next 24 months when we're already skinny and, we, and we've got zero population growth mm. at the moment because our borders are closed? Yep. What does the future look for us? Yeah, and, and and compounded with the fact that we were Australia as a nation, we were already attractive to the overseas migrants, and we're even more so attractive now the way we handled uh, the uh, coronavirus, uh, and so there will be a very strong um, influx of skilled migration, and I think um, uh, from an economic point of view, Australia will throw their borders open for uh, specifically skilled people. And they will go down uh, segmented areas of the population. And uh, I guess generally most people would end up in your Sydney and Melbourne market to begin with eventually, whether they land here or not, uh, because they are, that's where um, it's perceived that the movers and shakers are in terms of population, in terms of employment and, and, and so forth. I saw you trying, trying to, to save yourself there. I was, I, was try, I was trying to get rid of the shovel, but you know, I kept yeah. digging anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it, these are these, these are these are um, times where you you need to look at what's going to happen in the future because of the way uh, the economy is going to turn. A lot of people will move out of of countries that they've been living in, and and a lot of Australians that are working overseas may potentially start thinking of coming back in. Uh, so that will create a lot of job opportunities and a lot of people will be coming back in with money, which will then create that demand for property as well. Uh, and as we amp up the um, uh, the migration uh, into the country, that'll create the demand for even more dwellings. And when we correlate that with pipeline analysis, making sure that we're not in those areas mm -hmm. that have an oversupply, which yeah, one could also argue, well, well Vic, so if we have this this international borders opening, I'm being the devil's advocate here, if we have the international borders opening, we have migration, therefore population growth, won't that oversupply be taken up first in the inner cities of CBDs, Melbourne, Brisbane um, and Sydney mm -hmm. where all this substandard 
attached stock is, which is sitting at 11 and 12% vacancy rates. Yeah. Wouldn't people take that up first before they went to all the other areas? Mm. And it's a fair point, right? So if you look at it from a viewpoint of, okay, how is the population going to react when, when borders open up? When the borders open up, that means we have found a solution to begin with. So naturally, a lot of the transient populations that have gone into these lifestyle uh, areas may actually start coming back towards the the city because the employers may say, you know what, we're coming back into the office. Uh, we're over this working from home situation. Come back in three days a week uh, and you can work from remote two days a week, as an example. So that'll fill in some of the gap. Uh, and, and certainly, um, as more, more people come in, they will get into the areas that have got uh, where, where the government's going to push them into to begin with. Um, as it as it stands, traditionally we are um, short of about two hundred and fifty thousand dwellings a year in Australia. So we have, we already went into this crisis with a shortage. The shortage has now been amplified because we're not building as much. So I don't think we'll come to a point where we'll ever reach equilibrium. I think even if we do it, it's only short-lived because yes. it always swings from undersupply, supply, undersupply, yes. undersupply, and, and so on. And it always has, especially those areas where you can build up on a very small footprint mm. of land, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. But I, I actually agree. I th- I th- not everybody's going to need or want to live on those build-up areas. So those oversupplied areas of substandard stock on those CBD areas mm. will stay... It'll still be the transient population there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, whereas the people in the burbs, if you will, that and the, and the migrants and everybody else is going to want, thanks to COVID, I think that square metre of land and mm-hmm. a, a little bit of space. Now, will that last forever? Probably not. People will, in the years to come, people will forget. And we might see that pendulum swing away from the regional areas or the subpar regional areas, which we've talked about quite publicly uh, over the last couple of months, where... Whilst those areas are showing great numbers now, and I and I stress subpar regional areas, and that tree change, mm. where eventually it's going to that pendulum is going to swing back to well, you need to get back to metro, metrop, metropolis. Mm-hmm. You need to get back to where the work is and where you know, the the you know, it's not the brains trust, but where employment is yeah. and where it's needed. Whether that takes one month, one year, five years, ten years, is anybody's guess. But we're not doing this for a overnight result. We need to be looking at the future for the long term, mm. so they're not caught yep. somewhere in the future. And at the end of the day, everything in terms of property is about su- supply and demand, supply and demand, and yep. the cost of money. Yeah, because as the cost of money reduces, so too do pe- the the risk that people are willing to take on starts to increase. Now, I don't mean risk in a negative sense but they become more adventurous perhaps mm-hmm. when credit is because more it's available. Affordable. It's Correct. Affordable. When credit's more available and money becomes cheaper, yeah. we start to increase mm-hmm. that part of our our brain, if you will, to take on more. As do we do the opposite as credit becomes tough, brackets, APRA, rates go up. Well, we start to bring things in and start to get tight. Now, right and down the hatches. Correct. I'm not even talking about property here. I'm talking about the, the, the economy and the consumer uh, in general. And there we have the direct effects within the localised economies and therefore the from a micro point of view but also from a macro point of view as mm-hmm. people stop spending 
and therefore our inflation numbers go down and therefore our rates go down. And once again, there's the pendulum effect. And we can be as scientific and complicated as you want, but if we just dumb it down, that's what it is. Yep. Yep. And and uh, this is and you mentioned something in there in in terms of you know the sub buy areas and investing there and seeing that there's a spike in there and you're jumping in to say I hang on I want to get into the gravy train right this is where you will get hurt because you're you're swaying away from the fundamentals right now uh, the fundamentals still matter immensely because once this catalyst which is the virus is taken away fundamentals will be the underlying denominator which creates the growth which allows the growth which allows the liquidity uh, and it's really important to understand that supply and demand on one side and employment on the other side are the growth drivers it, it always has been and always will be mm. having said that you watch the rhetoric evolve over the next 12 to 36 months where it'll be just like last cycle just do it because you'll make money yes and it's not yes. it's not the case mm. you know i think we mentioned in a couple of podcasts ago do you want to create a a portfolio which is fragile or agile mm and fragile is where you're always looking over your shoulder saying if it goes all wrong i need to exit in a hurry yep and you don't want to be in that case because we're looking for longevity and that's going to be based around what it produces mm-hmm. via growth and cash flow and your ability to be able to control the mortgage over a period of time but also withstand the fluctuations within not just the economy but also the asset price yep. as well and, and and this is this is really important i suppose that um, you need to look at this as only a moment in time in terms of uh, the lockdown and so forth right because investing is always long term but you need to adjust your uh, your uh, stance your purchasing um habits so to speak or um your portfolio that you're holding right now based on today's market so you can actually withstand the um the troubles it'll bring and also capitalize on the opportunities it'll bring as well because you're looking to create a strategy to bridge the gap between yes. where you are and where you want to be. Yes. And that takes into into account the ups and the downs of once again the economies and how it affects your asset mm-hmm. accordingly and not just your asset but your lifestyle. Because mm. you you don't want to be living on 2 minute noodles to support your property habit as we often Exactly right. Talk and, about. and that's and not fun. Yeah. And the reality of it is if you are living on 2 minute noodles and today's current interest rates um you need to You're on the edge anyway. Yeah. Yeah, and actually that's a, that's a really valid point because I would argue that those that and I'm being quite general here with empathy I would argue that those that were that are under financial duress now were probably were so beforehand it's just more amplified well the trigger mm. the straw that broke the camel's back yes if you will you mm. know, and that could be argued that well there wasn't the cash reserves mm-hmm. in place to to ride you through moments in time I know people will say yeah but I lost my job and I've got yeah. kids and I've got education I get that I'm so I'm being quite general but if 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 a 20 basis point rise in the cost of money is going to put you over the edge well then you're too skinny yeah to begin with and mm. this is where you need to be budgeting just so diligently not for the now but for the future mm-hmm. and whilst i know that the the economists around the world and the bankers are all saying we're into a low interest rate environment for potentially the next 5 to 10 years don't hang your hat on that yeah no one can predict the future <laughs> and i would for me personally and and I'll go out on a limb here and I'll say it I think we're circa 3 years. I agree with that. I agree with and that. And then we'll start to see the co- whether it be the cost of funding or inflation or whatever it may be. If I'm wrong, 
nothing ventured. Yeah. Well, if you look at it, right? So what 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 are we trying to achieve here from an economy? We're trying to increase inflation, right? Which in some way shape or form is a is a direct representation of the the economy and Correct. how it's performing. Yeah. So when inflation increases and and it starts to go up too fast, what's the way to slow it? The only way that's available right now is is squeezing the credit. In other words, increase the interest rate, change the lending climate. So we've got a big issue hap- uh, about to happen, which is in March next year, where mm. lending is going to change from responsible lending to responsible borrowing. I'm glad you said that, rather than just responsible lending is gone because mm. it's not. No, it's not. No. It's not. Yeah, the banks still have got uh, rules to adhere to. It's just that it becomes it swings more to the borrower's favor, and this is where, with the low interest rate climate with a buoyant market coming in, with lower supply uh, and easy credit, people can get into trouble if they don't stick to their plans and if they don't think things out and look at pipeline analysis, look at the fundamentals and bring it back to their own person, to their own financials, rather than trying to play catch up to Joe Blow down the road. That will happen. Mm. Oh, absolutely, it happens catching, every single cycle. Catching up to Joe Blow down the road or the barbecue brag rights, whichever way you want to call mm-hmm. it, or the Facebook. Facebook bra- brag rights. Yeah. Brag rights. I was trying to think of something <laughs> a little bit trickier than that, but it didn't. Facebook fancy? Facebook, yeah. <laughs> Facebook fallacy. Yeah, that too. It, um, yeah. well, All these filters. It, nothing against Facebook. <laughs> don't sort of throttle us. Um, but it will be. It, it becomes a bragging right. Yeah. I would encourage people to fly under the radar. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be yeah. that person standing. Mm. As, what do we call it? Next to the boat, helicopter or the Ferrari. Don't yes. be that person. Just... Fly under the radio. Radar. Ra- radio. Radar. <laughs> Stay under the radio, radar and just keep it simple mm-hmm. and yeah. you'll get there. Look at the worst case scenario first and plan backwards from there. 100%. And that is all around cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amongst other things. But I, that's I know it's, it's hard to, to look at cash flow when the interest rates are so low. 1.87. Yeah. Uh, but you need to look at it from, from a historical point of view. The average interest rate has been, apart from, from the heady days of 17%, the average interest rate has been 4 to 5%. So you need to be doing your sums. If you cannot hold your portfolio at 4% interest, you're in trouble. Actually, I've put a, uh, I put a graph up on the historical interest rates with the average on our private Facebook group, mm-hmm. speaking of Facebook. Um, and for, for clients that are clients, and if you haven't joined the group, join the group because... We do up we do put up that sort of statistical information, which is pretty handy to have a, a backward look at where rates have have been. Mm. The other thing that that concerns me a little bit, and I'm not trying to be negative, I'm being real, and I am the, the probably the conservative one, um, which is what most people don't think that I am, is that we need to actually always account. We are very quickly the consumer is very quickly, or the public is very quickly going to forget what normality is. Yes. And normality, even 12 months ago, we would have group hugged and high-fived over 3.5%. Mm-hmm. Now we think it's too expensive. Yeah, it Things change quickly and we become used to it very, very quickly. I remember it wasn't too long ago fixing rates at 4.99 because I thought that was as sweet as it got. Mm-hmm. And I still have it today, it, um, which hurts. But nonetheless, it was a small portion and well, it was a portion um, and I wear it. But my point is it wasn't too long ago and we need to remember where it could be yeah that doesn't mean living in fear we don't want to be living in fear but there are always plan towards it correct and we always want to be looking at the macro micro indicators as to what the cost of money will be because Mm -hmm. that's going to have a direct reflection on our asset 
But that's that sounds really, really negative. And in fact, I'm I'm actually quite the opposite. And I remember doing a, a podcast, I mean, six months ago, eight months ago, whatever it was, where I think we were with Phil, and Phil said, Vic, what do you think of the market? And your reply was, I think it's about as good as it gets for some, and it will be about as dangerous as it can get for others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I thought was a really good reply because it's... It is the truth. And this was pre-COVID, yeah. by the way. Mm. And for some, it's been enormous. Yeah. And for some, it's been quite horrific, unfortunately. For those that have that it were, it's been enormous is because they've been able to take advantage of opportunities and they've backed themselves, mm-hmm. so to speak, and they've looked at the fundamentals and said, I'm in a position to be able to execute an opportunity and they have done so and they've been rewarded uh, appropriately in terms of growth and cash flow. But I want to rephrase, I want to bring the question back now, not so much what do we think of the market today and, and where will it be in 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, whatever it may look like to you. I would, I want to say, in terms of today's moving pieces, taking into account COVID and all the ramifications, the cash rate, the potential vaccine, I would dare say, if I could sum it up in two words, gear up. Yep. Gear, and I and I know it sounds like I'm out in a bit of a wing saying that because I don't usually I'm the conservative one, but now I'm saying gear up because. Mm the ingredients are in the pot, all of the ingredients in the pot. There was one major ingredient missing and that was the vaccine, but it looks like it's it's there now. It's getting close. Even if it isn't, we all know that everybody still needs a roof over their head and it's a well-worn expression, but it's the truth. And if we're already seeing skin in, in terms of the market and accommodation, where are we going to be in six months and 12 months' time? I am extremely confident in the market, but not for everybody. Not for everybody, mm. but for those that have employment, that have savings, that have capital, that have buffers, that have the ability, that have disposable income. Potentially, it's something that you should be looking at. Now's the time. Now's the time. And and let's say you're in a position where you can't buy anymore, or you're in a position where you've bought as many as you wanted to. Now's the time to think mortgage restructure. Now's the time to, to, to really... Look at your one of your most important and major expenditure in your portfolio, which is your interest rates, uh, and perhaps it is you've, you've over the years you've now gone to principal and interest. As lending eases out, it may be that you may want to reset some of your properties to interest only, so that it reduces your exposure in terms of cash flow while you while you hone down on particular properties to pay them down as well. So it's really important to look at it not not just from acquisition point of view as well but you need to also keep house in terms of getting rid of your major expenses such as um, your interest rates of getting them down to as low as possible there are some fantastic uh, opportunities out there with different lenders uh, so you need to actually explore that and if you're not able to you're not able to qualify a year ago my suggestion is to give us a call we will put you in touch with the right people to actually get step you through that even if it's not you're not able to qualify right now. You'd set up the ground, um, uh, the the groundwork to capitalize on how lending will change come March. Because it is it is a timepiece, and and while I say gear up, it's all about preparation. Mm-hmm. That's what I actually mean. Gear up is about preparation yeah. because there is a lead time to get yourself into a position to be able mm-hmm. to execute an opportunity, whether it presents itself or not. 
coming back to what you said though around restructuring mortgages and that being your biggest expense, sometimes you'll make more money by doing nothing. Yeah, absolutely. That means by not purchasing. Mm. It actually means by restructuring what you already have, whether that be taking advantage of DA approvals, reducing interest rates, putting up rents, adding secondary incomes, third incomes, whatever it may be, if you can't take that next step, will then improve the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, uh, earlier this week I was talking to one of my clients with with uh, one of the reviews and uh, he's got seven properties under his belt and um, we were going through the mortgages and what we could change uh, and he could qualify for uh, a, a restructure. Um, plus we're going through what rents we could change uh, depending on the legislation and the state and between all of those small tweaks we could free up about $70,000 worth of cash flow a year. Now, that's... that's seven zero. Seven zero. Yeah, huge. that's a huge amount, right? And then on top of that, by freeing up that money, we, what we also decided was to bring forward one of the constructions of a secondary dwelling, which would then add another 15000 on top of that. So this is how powerful the reviews can be. And, and you, need, you need secondary eyes on your portfolio, uh, like you and I do, right? So we go through our, each other's portfolio because we get we get shop blindness. You get blinkered by your yeah. own numbers, and no matter what anybody says, to take the emotion out of uh, out of your property investing yeah. or whatever it may be, and just be totally business orientated and numbers orientated. Yeah, I call BS mm. when you're when you're spending half a million dollars, a million dollars, ten million dollars. Yeah, there is an element of emotion in there, whether you like it or not. And, and when you we, you and I review our portfolios, uh, we always coming up with excuses as to why we haven't done it or it's why like, it's, yeah. done, right? it's <laughs> funny that you should do that oh, i didn't put the rent up because or yeah, i didn't yeah. do that because it, there's yeah. always an excuse and whether you're a beginning investor or you've just started out or you're halfway through it or you're, you're quite a sophisticated investor it is absolutely imperative that the team around you will challenge you mm-hmm. not just yeah. pat you on the back and tell you how well you are mm-hmm. or how well you're doing is how can you improve your position and we've often talked about the team should involve a very experienced broker, yep. a very good accountant, someone who's doing what you want to do and it's proactive rather than reactive, mm-hmm. an investment advisor, a fin planner when you get to that point and mm-hmm. then you go to your next level, which is yep. your property managers, your uh, conveyances and the like, all the way down to your painter. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a, a, a an integral part of the game to play mm. and you never want to dismiss any of them. Keep your relationships well-oiled. That's important. Never let ego get nah. in in front of anything because that'll bite you in the future yes. as well. Absolutely. I think we've done it. I think we have. We have. Uh, we talked about everything but nothing. It's, it's a show about yeah. nothing. Wasn't there a show? show about nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that was Seinfeld. Yeah. Or something, so, so for the listeners, we actually came in uh, uh, to this podcast and we said, what are we going to talk about? And we decided, you know what, we're just going to sit down, turn the mics on and just just go for it. And um, this is the end product. We, we actually like it. As a unscripted, unscripted, but as a fireside chat without the, without the fire, without the fire. Yeah. Maybe we'll do one in winter next winter. We'll do one actually beside a. We might we might come to your place or my place and we'd, we'd do the fire and then uh, yeah, It'll, and we'd probably invite a few people as well. Yeah, How's I, that? I don't want you around my place. I don't want to do the fire there. <laughs> 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 no, it's it's look, it's been very, it's been good, and and maybe the next um, over the next couple of podcasts as we head into Christmas which is a, a, an extremely delicate time of the year, we can start to give some tips and advice as to how to manage the Christmas mm-hmm. period, whether that be around leases, mortgages, 
purchases, repairs and maintenance, what you should be prepared for so that you don't get caught out and whether it's a good time of the year or a bad time of the year to be entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you wanted to uh, sit down and chat with either myself or Steve, uh, whether you've already got an existing portfolio, if you're looking at starting and uh, aren't sure of how to filter all the myriad of information and strategies out there, uh, send us an email, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au or ping us on Facebook uh, via private message and uh, either myself or Steve will uh, sit down with you and uh, map out a plan for you. And if you want to be up to date with the latest information, whether our socials, our website and our Facebook lives, um, which uh, I, I enjoy the Facebook lives. Yeah, we, get to, we get to interact and um, answer the questions and what have you. So that's usually every fortnight, Thursday, 7 p.m. except this one, which will be Tuesday. Don't complicate it, Steve. That's it, Vic. That's it. All right. So we will catch up next time. We'll see you then. See you then. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.